Nine o'clock hour we go here. It's mornings with Sharp and Hanley and Jimmy. Sixteen twenty, the zone. We got Husker hoops tonight as they will take on Ohio State in Columbus. Then it is Rutgers at home, and then it is a week following the Rutgers game. It'll be in Ann Arbor to wrap up the regular season. Nebraska still a team that is on the bubble. You would think right now on the better side of the bubble, but we're going to talk more about that and some other teams, especially a team we saw last night here in Omaha that played Creighton and Seton Hall. As uh, very excited to be joined here on the 42 Degree Hotline, Justin Williams of The Athletic, the author of Bubble Watch, covering all things college hoops for The Athletic. Justin, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. And so this is a, especially with what you do, this is a, this is a fun time. So like as far as, the numbers between the numbers and the eyeballs that you're putting on a lot of these games, especially the teams that are living life on the edge, living life on the bubble. When, when does this kind of start for you? I mean, do we kind of get into this in January or is it just all about February? Just putting all of this as far as what teams are going to be probably mentioned the most when it comes to that, that uneasy feeling of being on the bubble. Yeah, I think you can start kind of obviously seeing which teams are, you know, probably going to be at the top um, in January once conference play gets gets started. The, the bubble, though, really starts to kind of take take shape in February, and, and definitely as the month goes along, there's teams that start the month on, on the bubble and then completely the bottom drops out and, and they fall out yeah. or, you know, go the other direction and, and they climb. Um, and then there's those teams that just seem like they live the entirety of, of February and early March kind of in that, that bubble limbo. And it's interesting to, you know, kind of you're peeking ahead at the schedule constantly. And so much of it is based on what other teams are doing that they're playing or in other conferences. But the other thing that I'm always kind of thinking about is I'm sitting here watching a game and I might be like, you know, man, I like this team and they look like a tournament team to me. Yeah. But what does the, what does the selection committee think? What do the numbers say? And so, so there's a lot of uh, subjectiveness into into the whole thing, which you know it makes it frustrating, but also makes it fun. Well, and when we, and that's a great point. When you bring up like just the the overall committee and what they value, I think every year we kind of learn something that the committee maybe weighed heavily in on when it comes to certain metrics, whether it's non conference strength of schedule, whether it's quad one two, or you know having maybe a, a hiccup against a quad three or four. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I, I feel like we get so far into the metrics that we forget to just use our eyes. And how much of that do you think is kind of balanced with the committee when it does come to, especially teams that are, you know, considered to be bubble teams? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Now, you know, everyone uh, from the committee chairman down to every single member will tell you that like they take this seriously and, and they invest a lot of time and they watch the games. And, you know, I think we have to take them at their word at that, that they're not just, you know, oh, waking up and pulling up Ken Palm in the morning and, and picking the teams that, that they think, uh, you know, should, should be in the, the 68. Yeah. So with that in mind, yeah, I think it's totally fair. If you're looking at a team like James Madison, which has a bunch of wins, most of them against like quote unquote quad four teams uh, or then, you know, teams like St. John's who all of a sudden is on a little bit of a winning streak and, and has good metrics or Texas A&M, which has beaten some good teams and has also struggled at times. Uh, you know, are, are they watching those games and, and are they looking at the metrics and, and how do they feel about them? But yeah, ultimately I think, you know, might sometimes come down to, well, yeah, maybe they have beaten a bunch of quad four teams or haven't won enough quad one games, but if you're sitting down and watching a game on Tuesday or Wednesday night, 
maybe someone from the committee just likes that team and likes the yeah. way they play. And so when they come down to having being in the room and making a decision, maybe they're like, yeah, I, I see their metrics or I see their schedule, but I also just like the way this team plays and I want to see them in the tournament. And as crazy as it sounds, we can't discount that when kind of looking at bracketology or bubble watch yeah. or all those things. Uh, Justin, I do want to get into Nebraska and some Big Ten teams in general, but uh, last night we saw watching Creighton, a Seton Hall team that is is on the bubble, a team that was going into the night, the third team in the Big East standings. Uh, we were talking about this earlier in the show. As good as Creighton played, and they did, and I don't want to take anything away from Creighton because they were just they they got rolling in that one and never looked back. We were kind of surprised given the way that that matchup went earlier when Seton Hall hosted Creighton. You get the triple overtime thriller. Seton Hall loses that game, but they just seemed like a shell of themselves last night. It didn't seem to have that sense of urgency. I get it. Creighton is a good team. That is definitely a quad one opportunity for Seton Hall. But were you surprised of the look of Seton Hall last night? Sometimes, yes, I think that. But then I think, you know, more and more you just need to remember, like, this is this college basketball. You know, this is the same. Look at Creighton's last three games. They... Yeah blow out UConn at home, play great, uh, go on the road, lose to St. John's, which looked like they were kind of careening off the edge. Yeah. And then, yeah, a game that you feel like, man, Seton Hall has to win this game, right? If they're ever going to you know, kind of come out and put out a performance, it would be tonight. And, yeah, they, they just don't have it. Yeah, I was watching that game. I was watching the Ole Miss-Alabama game last night, too. It was mm-hmm. kind of a similar situation. Ole Miss comes out fast, and you're like, well, of course, Ole Miss needs to win this game. Yeah. And then it, it falls apart. So, yeah, I, I was talking to a coach a couple weeks ago about, like, trying to, you know, look at the tournament and which teams could do well. And, you know, he reminded me, like, you have to remember these are still a 40-minute basketball game with 18 to, you know, now 23 and 24-year-olds, but 18 to, to low 20 kids. Like, it, it's, it isn't always easy to predict. So as much as you might look at it and say, man, this team really needs it, this would be a, a huge win for their season. I'm not surprised when one team comes out and, and wins by 21 night and some loses by yeah. 20 the other night anymore. Uh, you mentioned St. John's with that win over Creighton over the weekend. They put themselves back into that conversation. Realistically, what type of a road ahead do you think they have to get to the NCAA tournament short of winning the, the Big East tournament? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure Rick Pitino wished that he would have, you know, come out and lobbed <laughs> the, some of those haymakers at his at his players a little bit sooner, right? They're on a nice uh, three game winning streak right. here. Uh, yeah, they. I'm looking at the schedule now. They have DePaul and Georgetown. Those are two Q4 games. Um, I'm not saying they have to win the Big East, but they're going to have to make a, a pretty deep run into the Big East tournament. I think they're one of those teams that I, they're still on the bubble. But, you know, I know we're going to talk about Nebraska. Nebraska, to me, is like they're on the upper side of the bubble where yeah. they're probably in, just don't screw it up. St. John's, they're one of those teams that you've got to really make a deep conference tournament run to at least like the semifinals, you know, knock off some good Big East teams. And they're also St. John's in this weird position where because they're playing the Big East tournament at Garden, mm-hmm. in, in terms of their net, it actually counts as home games if they win games in the Big East tournament. So it's like even if they would get a win in the Big East tournament, it doesn't help their metrics as much as it would for for other teams. So St. John's, yeah, you know they've had a nice little turnaround here, but uh, they still have a long way to go, in, in my opinion. We're talking to Justin Williams of the Athletic here on sixteen twenty The Zone. All right, so the Big Ten, and we've spent a lot of time talking about Nebraska, and I think there was an uneasiness, Justin, with this team 
and their chances of making the NCAA tournament until they could finally win a conference game on the road. They do that last week at Indiana, and they have another opportunity tonight against Ohio State on the road. It feels like if you could get you know another one of those tonight, boy, you feel really good about where Nebraska is if you don't already. So when you think of Nebraska, as far as their resume, where they stack up against a lot of the teams in the bubble, where do you kind of put them? Yeah, like like I mentioned, I have them as kind of on like the the good side of the bubble. Um, you know that they uh, they have the four quad one wins right now. Believe it or not, if if they beat Ohio State tonight, that will at least for now count as a as a quad one win. And, and whether we want to get into the net and what all that stuff means, mm. but you know at least right now that it would be a, a road win that counts as a quad one win against an Ohio State team that fired its coach a couple weeks ago. So it, it is important. Um, to me, I don't think they have to necessarily win the, the next three games. Uh, I think if they can win two of the three and, and you know not lose in, in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, they'll be in good shape. But this is again where it nothing happens in a vacuum, you know, right? It, it depends yeah. on what other teams in their conference. Northwestern's another team that you know Michigan State. Those are two other teams that are kind of bubbleish Big Ten teams. But then you have to start also looking at other conferences and other teams that that are on the bubble. So, you know, Nebraska can certainly kind of take care of their own business by continuing to win. Um, but but for me, as long as the bottom doesn't fall out, they don't have like an immediate embarrassing uh, exit from the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. I think they're in a pretty good position. But you're right, you know, as much as it might not seem like it for, you know, casual fans, it's actually a pretty big game on the road against uh, Ohio State tonight. It's interesting. You, you bring up Minneapolis in the Big Ten tournament. And as of now, if, if it started today, Nebraska would have a double bye into the Big Ten uh-huh. tournament. If they were to kind of, like you said, you know, win the next two of three, and let's say they did lose on that Friday in the double bye, more than likely they're playing what would be a quad one team? Would that would that hurt them significantly if if they're playing on that Friday, whether they you know that's their first game of the Big Ten tournament or not? So it only hurts them. I, it's you know it just makes you a little bit more uneasy, right? It gives sure. you what two or three more days to sit around and, yeah. and wonder if you've done enough, and and then you're sweating out selection Sunday a little bit. And again, then you're also you're watching those other tournaments and seeing if bid thieves are popping up and you're trying to do all the the bracketology and calculations those are all things you can get rid of if you just you know win a win a game and and kind of help yourself so yeah i I think that scenario you laid out nebraska you know sitting here right now a couple weeks away probably still in but it just it it makes selection sunday a little bit more sweaty palms if, if that happens that's fair. Uh, you also brought up Michigan State. I, I'm, I know their their net ranking just doesn't seem to budge, and yet this is a team that could, you know, reasonably find themselves as a 17 and 12 team. What is? I, maybe it's more. The better question is, how does Michigan State play themselves out of it? Can they play themselves out of the tournament? Yeah, I mean, look at what they have left. They have on the road at Purdue, yep. Northwestern at Indiana. Like you know, the, and that this is coming off two losses to Iowa and, and Ohio State at home. You know, there's there's no guarantee they're gonna you know win even two out of three of those games. So I'm with you. They're one of those teams that historically, if you look at you know the, the past, I think we've had four tournaments worth of data with the net rating where they're at in the net. They're, they're making the tournament. But part of you, you know, this is where you have to bring in the human side of the yeah. selection committee. Is someone on the selection committee going to stand up and say, 
you know, what have they done? They, you know, they, they, they have 17 wins, uh, at least right now. You know, we'll, we'll see what they end up with. But, you know, they, they've had some stretches where they just have not looked good. Uh, they, they have kind of put together a couple uh, quad one wins here late in the season. They got a big win over Illinois a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But to, to me, they're a perfect example. I think Wake Forest is another kind of yeah. one of these teams, even Gonzaga, Colorado. There, there's these teams that if you're just looking at the numbers, the metrics, well, yeah, the, you know, they, they are a tournament team. It'd be kind of weird to actually not have them in there. Yeah. But if you really start kind of, you know, scrutinizing the, the resume, you can poke holes in it and you can make an argument against it. And it's just going to come down to the, the people in that room and, you know, what teams they like and kind of maybe what biases they have. And, yep. and that's, those are the ones that are the toughest to me to, to kind of predict. And I think we learn a lot when when selection sunday happens in terms of like you said earlier what are those things this year that the committee values and and puts a lot of emphasis on you know and justin you bring up an interesting point Uh, not only michigan state but you also brought up gonzaga if i'm say colorado or maybe even a seton hall if i'm sitting there on the bubble and you know it's it's kind of like maybe resumes are similar there's you know things that sort of offset the other things but are similar and you have like a michigan state and gonzaga right there with you I'm nervous if I'm Colorado or Seton Hall or another sort of not as big of a brand. I'm nervous that there's going to be some brand bias that like, hey, we got to have an NCAA tournament with Gonzaga. We got to have an NCAA tournament with Michigan State. Like, I feel like that's that's a real concern. Am I being overly paranoid on that? No, I don't think so. I, I was, you know, this is shows you what a sickle I am. I watched the end of the Drake UIC game last <laughs> night. It was a triple overtime t- game. Uh, Drake pulled it out on the road. Drake's a bubble team uh, yeah. in Missouri Valley, and you know they have a really good team in their conference with uh, Indiana State. Yep. So they could very well like go to you know the semifinals or the finals of the MVC. Uh, tournament and and not get an automatic bid and then they might be one of those teams on Sunday that's like oh if it's going to come down to us or Gonzaga yeah. you know something like that what is the committee going to going to choose and again this is where you hope that these committee members are as you know in the weeds as they say they are and and they can kind of look at it and you know make a case for Drake yeah. but then there's also part of you that you know if you're talking about the NCAA tournament which is the big marquee moment for college basketball for <clears throat> diehards and casual fans alike. Yeah, sometimes you wonder, well, yeah, they're just going to hand that, you know, at large spot to Gonzaga or Michigan State, especially if you're talking about a playing game in Dayton. Mm-hmm. Part of you definitely, you don't want to go full conspiracy theorist, right? But you wonder, like, well, what's going to get more people to pay attention on that yep. Tuesday night in Dayton? It's probably going to be Gonzaga as opposed to Drake. So it's whether that fear will be founded or not, we'll see. But you're totally right. I think it's fair to, to think that way. Uh, I want to get you out here on this. And this is the uh, another Big Ten team that obviously there's some local interest here. And they're they're making an interesting case here all of a sudden. And that's Iowa. I was watching that game against Illinois. And, and even in a loss, they look the part offensively. And then they follow that up with, a I think, a, a good solid win where they put up 90 points against Penn State. So this is an, an Iowa offense, you know, looking at, at Peyton Sanford and, and what they can do in Cricky, they've got that going for them. As far as Iowa as their resume, what they need to do to get in, how are you kind of viewing the Hawkeyes right now? Well, I mean, obviously the, the most exciting uh, basketball team for, for Iowa University right now, right? This, this is what everyone cares about, Iowa men's basketball. <laughs> um, no, I, you're right. They're, they're the team that even Ohio State's a little bit like this since they fired their coach. They're making a little bit of like run and kind of hanging around the bubble. Yeah, I, Iowa has Northwestern at Northwestern Illinois left. 
win both of those games, and then I think you're legitimately in the discussion. I think, you know, as well as they played here late, even if they lose either of those two, then you're talking about, like, uh, you know, if not winning the Big Ten tournament, having to get to the finals and, yeah. and really kind of prove your, yourself there. But th- this is what happens at this time of year. A team, uh, Iowa, that I don't think anyone was even, myself included, looking at as a, a bubble team a, a week or two ago, now all of a sudden they put together a couple nice wins and, and you're kind of looking at it and you can play out a scenario in your head where, yeah, they could actually find a way to maybe even sneak into like the last four in. Right. <clears throat> but for me, they, they got to they gotta get a couple big wins here at the end of the year for, for it to be legitimate. Is there, is there one team that you can just immediately comes to mind right now at this time of the year that's either playing themselves out of the tournament or has not lived up to what you thought would be their ultimate seeding? Any team that you can kind of label as maybe one of the bigger disappointments right now? That's a good question. Like, you know, uh, the, all the Big East teams are just kind of uh, confounding to me. You know, not the, the, the Creighton and Marquette and UConn. They're obviously a cut above. But then there's that that group below it, like Providence, uh-huh. um, Seton Hall. We we talked about Butler, who just you know you know seemed like a couple weeks ago we're going to be in the tournament, and they got beat pretty bad. But by St. John, you know, those are the ones that you know just week in and, and week out every every night you're kind of looking at the scores or watching the games and wondering Villanova put them in that group. Um, I watch a lot of big 12 basketball. Texas is the one team there that I just can't totally figure out that, you know, their metrics are really good. They'll have a really good win, but the big 12, I know that's been a big topic of discussion. I think it's just such a tough conference, but it also means that sometimes you can't string together two wins in a row. And that's kind of been Texas's problem. So those are teams that I think are all still in that bubble conversation but if I'm looking at it from a committee member perspective, it's not like I watch any of those teams and I think like, yeah, you know, I want to see this team in the tournament. I'm, I'm kind of just like, yeah. I can't really figure these teams out. And I think there's a lot of those in that group. And that's what I love about this is, you know, probably for the most part between the automatic qualifiers and, and uh, the at-larges, you, you can pretty easily get to 55, 60 of them. It's those last handful of teams that we spend so much time kind of like, fretting over and uh you know as we've seen in years past a team like ucla can can make a run even as one of the last teams in and, and get to the the final four so it's it's a worthwhile discussion but it, it's what makes it fun is that you spend all this time and you get to the end and there's still a couple teams that you're not quite sure on hey justin great stuff really appreciate it i know this is a a, a very frantic time for for you and what you do but i appreciate you coming on hopefully we can uh, chat with you before the the field of 68 is revealed but uh, keep up the great work man absolutely anytime thanks guys Good stuff there. Justin Williams of The Athletic, author of Bubble Watch. And yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Like, I, I know, Jimmy, we were talking about Kansas. You know, when I think of a team that is kind of playing themselves down a couple of seeds and wouldn't it have been crazy. And, and I think you're right. I think your bet is going to be safe that they still wind up They're in Omaha. They're going to be here. But for a team that kind of continues to play themselves down, you know, remember they were almost a lock as a one. Now it's like, can they hold on to be a three? I, I, I wouldn't think they would go any lower than that, but... You know, there's a, there's a team, but he's right. Like Butler, like just looking at their metrics right now, and yeah, I'll play metrics nerd for a moment. But Butler, orange stripe blue pants. As far as their strength of schedule and their strength of record, it's pretty solid. Strength of schedule is they're they're a, a three, and their strength of record is in the top fifty. But that's a team that right now at fifteen and twelve, it's hard to sort of justify. You know, they just bludgeon. Yeah, by and that's why I I just you look know, at Michigan State. Games. Like Michigan State, they, they it almost they almost seem bulletproof when it comes to making the NCAA tournament or not. Yeah. Yet they lose games. Their record, they're starting to like inch near. If they if they 
struggled in these last three games, and all of a sudden they're like a seventeen and fourteen or eighteen and thirteen team. Yeah, if you're getting in, it's and they don't because you're Michigan State. Yeah. Like I just that means somebody on the bubble is going to get screwed. Exactly, and, and that's I'm talking where I, about. For example, well, he mentioned Dra- he mentioned Drake, Drake and, yeah. and Tucker DeVries, who had the, the game that he had last night too. And yeah, but Drake isn't a household college basketball brand name. Yeah, I would worry about that. These are the things I would, I would worry about. Rock, great coach. Yeah, very good coach. So uh, it is it is interesting when you kind of weigh the metrics to the the eyeball test, but then also I think at any any time there's committee involvement. What you're saying, it's only natural. State, they better not, you know, f around and find out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They got to they got to win some games. games down the stretch. I I know they're they're in a lot of these should be in categories, but, but why it, find out? Right. I I don't know exactly where Michigan State, the, the Baylor win was a big one for them. Their strength of schedule is pretty solid. I mean, they've got Duke, they've got Butler, they've played Arizona. Um. Yeah, I mentioned Baylor, and they got the win against Baylor. They lost to Arizona. They lost to Duke. But then in the Big Ten play, I mean, you're looking at, okay, their wins are against Rutgers, Minnesota, Maryland, Michigan, Maryland. They did get a good win against Illinois, Penn State, Michigan. Tell me where there's like a, oh, yeah. Like great win there, and they, as Justin mentioned, they still have Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana next. I would take them. Should be they should be okay against Indiana, but I mean, okay, right now I said seventeen twelve, seventeen eleven right now. I mean, you they, went two. They could went be two of those. They could be seventeen and thirteen before they play Indiana. What are we saying about them? Yeah, then? don't win one of those games. It's just it's the Michigan State. It's like well, we can't, we, we got to have it. You can't have a tournament without Tom Izzo. Yeah, well, his team needs to yeah. help him out a little bit. Yeah. Throw him a bone, a win or two, just to feel safe, and don't uh, don't just show up to Minneapolis for a quick visit and then back to East Lansing. Hang well, around. They, they had the back-to-back losses to Iowa and Ohio State, and so I immediately they were one of the first teams I'd look at as far as like the bracketology and bubble watch, and yet they're still just like solidly in. Like, what does it take for Michigan State to play themselves out of this thing? Lose all three and then lose the first game yeah, probably. in the cities and then see what happens. Then you would have, if that happens, Jimmy, then you would have been on a six-game losing streak. And then you will go to 17-17. and 17. Yeah, that team's not getting in. It better not. It sure as hell better not get in. I wouldn't think it would. Uh, when we come back... A big thing to watch tonight in the Nebraska-Ohio State game that could really tell you how it's going to go for the Huskers. We'll get to some emails and tweets as well. we still got Brian Edwards, Vegas Insider, still to come here on 1620 The Zone.